You've heard the scripture lesson this morning. It's from Genesis chapter 32, and the title of the sermon is Go For It. Go For It. Um, you all know me well enough now. You know that I just, I love football. It's one of my favorite things in the world, and if we don't get to play football this fall, it's really going to probably send me over the edge. Um, I am so desperate for football that if you follow me on Facebook, you know that yesterday I was actually listening to UT football games. Uh, John Ward, on Saturdays, they're doing old UT football games. This is the last time Tennessee was good. It was the year they won the national championship. But, I mean, some of you weren't around then, so I check it out. But I was actually listening to those football games yesterday. I, I actually do love to listen to John Ward call football games and know we are not related at all. But um, I'm going to start with a football analogy this morning or an illustration recognizing that some of you don't care anything about football. And so I hope that you'll just stick with me for a few moments while I try to make my point. Um, in football, just imagine that you are at midfield, you're up by three points, and it is fourth down and one to go. And so all you've got to do is uh, make a decision. You could either go for it on fourth down, and if you get that one yard, then you get a fresh set of four downs, and you could pretty much run out the clock, and you could win the football game. If you make it, if you get that one yard on fourth and one, or you could decide to play it safe you could decide that instead of going for that one yard, you could punt the ball. And if you punted the ball, what it would mean is that the ball would go down to the other end of the field. It would make your opponent have to try that much harder and go that much further in order to have a chance to tie or win the football game. So if you get the one yard, you're going to win the game. If you decide to punt the ball, then you give them the opportunity with time still left on the clock to score. If you go for it on fourth and you don't get it, then they're really close and have a chance to tie or win the game. So what do you do? Well, most coaches take the conservative approach. The conventional call in that instance would be to punt the ball. You put the ball as far away from the other team's goal as you can. You uh, try to make them eat up what little clock is left. And uh, they've got to travel a long way for the opportunity to score either the game-tying field goal or the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, most coaches would choose that route. And yet, because of analytics has become such an important part of football now, we now know that even though that is the safe play, the one that most coaches would make, it's not always the best play. Because you've got these numbers people now that are crunching all the numbers and the odds and statistics. And what they say is that the team who goes for it on fourth down more times than not will be the team that wins the game, even if you're going for it on fourth down early in the game. And yet, coaches will still almost always punt the ball and play the odds of making the other team travel further to get to their goal. Well, as I was reading this story about Jacob this morning, it occurred to me that, that he is in a game 
uh, clinching mode here. He, he could either go for it on fourth down and really take some bold risks in his life and, and with his family, or he could play it safe. And so I'm wondering what Jacob would do and why would he do it? I mean, there's a sense in which he would play it safe because that's the easiest, most conventional, most conservative thing to do. I mean, he's taken some risks before and they've had somewhat mixed results. You might remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how Jacob came out of the womb grabbing the heel of his slightly older twin brother because he wanted to be born first. That's a risk. And then you remember how that Jacob deceived his brother Esau uh, when brother Esau came in from the field he was really hungry he said I'll do anything for a bowl of your stew and Jacob said okay then sell me your birthright and Esau was willing to do that because he traded the ultimate for the immediate uh, that was a bold risk for Jacob to take then you might remember that when Isaac was old, Jacob's father, and he was planning on blessing his slightly older son, Esau, and Jacob and his mother heard about it. And so while Esau had gone off to hunt for his father's last meal, Jacob snuck in and acted like his brother Esau and deceived his father into giving him the blessing that was meant for his brother Esau. That was a risk. And this risk ended up costing Jacob something. Because you remember that when Esau came back with the meal that he had prepared for his father, and when he found out that Jacob had already come in and deceived Isaac into giving Jacob the blessing instead of Esau, Esau said he was going to kill his brother. And so Rebekah told Jacob, if you don't want to die, you better get out of here quickly. You better get as far away from your opponent whose goal is to kill you. And so Jacob punted. And Jacob ran far, far away. He ran all the way to Haran, which is where his uncle Laban lived, his mother's brother. He met Rachel and fell in love with Rachel and offered to work seven years for her as to become his wife and he the trickster got tricked himself on the night of his wedding he thought he was going to bed with Rachel and he woke up with Leah and uh, he got really upset with Laban had to work seven more years for Rachel's hand in marriage and then Jacob decided to deceive his uncle Laban. He prospered off of Laban by stealing, well, not stealing, but negotiating uh, a lot of his sheep. Uh, he wanted the speckled sheep. He wanted the streaked sheep. Uh, Laban thought there weren't many of them to begin with, and he took those away from the flock so that Jacob wouldn't have any. But Jacob created a plan where he was able to mate the sheep and make speckled sheep, and he became very, very wealthy. He stayed there for 20 years working for Laban, seven for Rachel, seven for Leah, and then he stayed an additional six years working until one day God told Jacob to go back to his home country. 
Would Jacob go for it? Would he take the risk to go back to the place where his brother was waiting to kill him? Or would he punt and keep as much distance between him and his opponent as he could? Well, according to the scripture lesson, he decided to take that risk. He decided that he was willing to go back and to try to make peace with his brother Esau. Well, on his way, he stops to spend the night. He sent his family on ahead. It's almost as if he needs just a moment by himself to gather his thoughts and to prepare for what inevitably might be his demise at his brother's hand. And there we learn that he enters into a wrestling match with a man that we later learn is God. They wrestle all night long, neither one of them seemingly able to gain the advantage. Uh, Jacob, just like he did coming out of the womb, had a hold of Esau. He had a hold of this man. And as daybreak approached, this man said, let me go. It's because at daybreak, uh, the Israelites believed that if you were to see the face of God as the sun rose up, that you would not live. And so God wants Jacob to let him go so that Jacob's own life will be spared. And in this moment, Jacob has the choice. Will he take a risk? Will he go for it on fourth down? Will he, will he continue to, to seek out something from this man, from God? Or will he just let him go? And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then God blesses Jacob. I think this blessing might be the equivalent of going for it and making it on fourth down. It's a fresh set of downs. It puts you closer to the victory that you were seeking, which was to be reconciled with your brother. It, it, it is to take a chance and, and to experience victory in God. He felt closer to being reconciled to his brother after he had received this blessing from God. But we're told that after this wrestling match and after he had been blessed and after he had received a new name, that he still walked with a limp as a result of the wrestling match with God. And I want to suggest to you that that limp was not a sign of weakness, but it was really a badge of honor. It's as if to say that when you and I are willing to go for it with God, when we are willing to struggle with God, when we are willing to wrestle with God, um, that we might, we might struggle ourselves with that. We might have a wound that results from that. But God's blessings are on the other side. This is a symbol of God's presence and power at work in Jacob's life. And we're not told that he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. But he did have a reminder of being willing to take a risk with God. To struggle with God. And he ended up being blessed 
by God. I suspect that there are those of us here this morning that find ourselves struggling, that find ourselves in a difficult situation. And we may be wondering, should we take a risk? Should we wrestle with God? Should we struggle with God? Should we petition God? Should we ask questions of God? And I think what Jacob says is, go for it. Wrestle with God. Question God. Seek God. And there will be a blessing on the other side.